Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Breaking news: A second teenager shot in less than 24 hours here in Durham. What investigators are telling us about this new case? WRAL was talking with a man arrested for bringing a gun to a local middle school. Why school district officials say their steps to make the campus safer are working. New today, concerns about the name, image, and likeness payments for college athletes from the president of Notre Dame. WRAL's sports investigative reporter explains the push for stronger guidelines. Here's what's pumping in a record warm air. What our weekend will feel like and who needs to plan around rain. Right now at 7, we are following multiple breaking news stories tonight. Two more teenagers shot in Durham within just the last several hours in separate incidents. Thank you for joining us. I'm Deborah Morgan. And I'm Dan Haggerty. In the last few minutes, we're learning more. We know that Durham's 911 system is currently down. Also, a nine-month-old at the center of an Amber Alert out of Greensboro. Lot to cover for you. We have live team coverage of all these stories. First, let's go to WRL's Brett Neese, live at one of those shooting scenes in Durham. Brett. Deborah and Dan, this just playing out just before five o'clock. This now the 15th teenager or 15th young person under the age of 18 to be shot in Durham in 2023. Going into today, that number was 13. Add the two from today. Now we're at 15. I'm going to step behind the camera and show you what this latest scene looks like here just a couple of blocks away from the Durham Police Department. This is at East Main Street and Elm, and you're going to see on this car there are at least three bullet holes in that back passenger window, one right below the window, and then two more in the glass there. They have this neighborhood completely blocked off with crime scene tape. There's also another uh, area down the way from here where there is even more crime tape surrounding at least six more shell casings. I also have video from the WRL breaking news tracker I want to show you here from another shooting scene that played out around one o'clock. Just uh, after one o'clock on NC 54, you can see this is a more locator video showing you where this all played out on uh, NC 54. We know that also a teenager that was shot at that location. That teenager is expected to be okay. We're waiting to get an update on the teenager that was shot here just a couple of blocks away from the Durham Police Department. We do know that they have uh, life-threatening injuries. As soon as we know more, we'll pass that along. And Deborah, like we said uh, at the top of this report, the 911 system also down here in Durham tonight. A lot to keep following tonight. Brett Neese live in Durham. Thank you, Brett. Now let's go to Mark Boyle in the WRL Live Center. Mark. Deborah, within the past five minutes, we just received this photograph right here. Two different photos, the same little boy, nine-month-old Kaysen Monk. This is the little boy at the center of this Greensboro area Amber Alert here this evening. This is what came across your cell phone around 6 o'clock. Looking for a red Saturn with a lot of damage, broken rear window. On your screen, the latest information as we come on the air right now at 7.03. That's the little boy's name, Kaysen Monk, last seen wearing a white shirt, gray sweatpants, and gray jacket.
jacket taken, according by officials, by Dion Monks, the same name right there. It's unclear their relationship or connection driving that dark red or burgundy Saturn with the damage to the windshield. Something key to keep in mind. We don't know what direction that vehicle is traveling. This is an active situation out of Greensboro this evening. At this point, 60 minutes after the Amber Alert was issued, that vehicle could be anywhere north, south, east or west. So it's really unclear where they are pinpointing this active search for this nine month old little boy. We'll keep on top of this and update you here on the live center as soon as we have breaking details this evening. Boy, Mark, with all that damage to the car, hopefully someone Absolutely. will be able to find it. Thank you. We're also following some breaking news in Raleigh. Police say a body was found in the woods near I-40 and Lake Wheeler Road this afternoon. They did not provide any other details on this investigation. A weapons detection system caught a gun before it made it into a local school. We first broke this news for you last night, and now tonight we're hearing from the man who was arrested. WRL's Destiny Patterson explains Johnston County school officials are glad their new system is working. 21-year-old Ubaldo Delez Perez was arrested here for bringing a gun on campus. And after his court appearance today, he told us that he'd forgotten that it was attached to his waistband. But district officials tell us that they're glad to know that their new system is working. It was supposed to be a quick trip to Clayton Middle School for school pickup. I went to go pick up my sisters from school, and I didn't realize they had my gun on me. Until, uh, it was but things didn't quite go as planned for 21-year-old Ubaldo Telez Perez. Perez walked through the district's recently installed weapon detectors. Cops came out from the office and they found my gun on me and saying, like, why do you have this? Perez says he had no bad intentions and police said there was no danger to any students or faculty. The weapon detection program is still in its pilot phase, but district officials say this situation made them feel more sound in their decision to install them in their schools. It's always been against the law to bring a gun onto our campus, so it was just good to know that this money that we've invested is working already. Caitlin Furr with Johnson County Public Schools says everyone should expect to go through the detectors. All guests, all visitors, um, students, staff are walking through it. And she says the district has been transparent about that. And as they work through this pilot phase, she says the expectations are clear for anyone entering these doors. Perez is not in custody at this time. He does have another court appearance on April 20th. Destiny Patterson, WRL News, Johnson County. A Cary man who shot himself after human remains were found burning on his property has died. Firefighters went to Ian DeLauder's home on Dorset Drive on Sunday for a report of a trash fire. They found the remains of Cicely Walker Scott. DeLauder was found in a nearby RV with a gunshot wound. Cary police told WREL they believe he killed Scott. We're working to learn how she died. A different issue at the same meeting led to a screaming match. Members were shouting at each other, arguing after one member was accused of inappropriate actions. We listened to the audio. I would admit it's kind of hard to decipher what's being said, but you can clearly hear loud arguing. That is Councilwoman Freeman and Mayor Pro Tem Mark Anthony Middleton. An emotional meeting preceded those fireworks. Councilwoman Monique Holsley-Hyman was the subject of two separate accusations. One, that she told a developer she would support their project if they donated to her campaign. And two, an unrelated accusation that Councilwoman Holsey-Hyman engaged 
a city staffer to do campaign-related work for her. She has declined to comment about those accusations. We will have more on this tonight in later newscasts. State Auditor Beth Wood is now convicted of hit and run for the crash involving her state-issued car. Wood walked into a Wake County courtroom this afternoon to plead guilty. She crashed the state-owned Toyota Camry into a parked car on South Salisbury Street the night of December 8th. An Uber driver's cell phone video obtained by WRL showed Wood being ushered into a law office after the crash. That's where she had attended a holiday party that night. In court, Wood admitted for the first time she had been drinking. I should have stayed on the scene. I should have called law enforcement. I should have let the system play out. I was not impaired, but given the positioning of the two cars and the fact that I had had two glasses of wine at this event, I made an error in judgment in the moment. Wood has already paid more than $11,000 to repair the state car and the car she crashed into. The judge said that played into was a sentence for the conviction. She will have to pay $300 in court fines and fees. She will not spend any time in jail. Still ahead, state lawmakers are debating several bills aimed at easing skyrocketing housing prices in our community. What they're looking into to help the problems that many families are struggling with coming up. Plus, growing calls for stronger guidelines when it comes to the NCAA's name, image, and likeness. Hear what Notre Dame's president said when he joined the conversation. And the warm weather is going to last through the weekend. Good news for many people, but we do have the potential for some rain. I'll show you the few hours you could see some showers coming up. All right, welcome back. I'm Dan Haggerty. Let's go back in depth on book bannings in our schools. Last week, we told you about some data that we got back from our area school districts showing that hundreds of books have been banned from school libraries after parents complained to their school boards. Most of the books dealing with the hot button issues of the day, race, gender, and sex. Email me at dan at wrl.com. Please get involved in these conversations. I wanna talk about what you wanna talk about, like a viewer named Rick. Rick wrote me an email, and I wanna address it in two parts tonight. He said, banning books in school libraries is not the same as banning books in public libraries. He goes on to say most parents don't want their kids exposed to LGBTQ sexual perversion. Let's start with the first bit there about the difference between school libraries and public libraries. He's absolutely right. We discussed this a little bit last week, actually. There is a different standard when it comes to content that's aimed directly at kids. What is that standard exactly? Well, we really don't know. The courts have never specifically defined it, which is why we have librarians. A retired librarian named Robin wrote me and explained it like this. School librarians in North Carolina are trained in collection development and have selection policies. School librarians read reviews, attend conferences where we meet and talk with authors and publishers. We have meetings during the year where the best of the best are presented. We have a chance to ask questions and examine them and study lists of recommended titles. So the books in your kids' schools have been vetted and it's a good system. But if you're like me, you're wondering, how exactly is that different than what the school boards are doing? What I mean is those librarians are censoring certain books that they find inappropriate or dangerous, just like the concerned parents who complain to the school board. Why do we call one step a selection process and the other book banning? Well, because of the Supreme Court and our First Amendment. Here's UNC law professor William Marshall. 
the court it seems to have made a distinction between not purchasing a book and putting it on the shelves and then taking it down for sensorial reasons after it's up on the shelf. Now, whether that's the clearest possible distinction, I think a lot of us might argue it's not, but I think they're concerned with the message that takes place when you actually remove a book uh, in, in a different way than if you don't purchase that book or add it to the shelves in the first place. Yeah, I know, still pretty vague. And you probably still have questions like Devin who said, Dan, since when does the Supreme Court know what's best for our children? Well, they don't. They don't. The Supreme Court isn't thinking about your kids. They're thinking about the Constitution and free speech. Think of it this way. When you ask, when does the Supreme Court know what's best for our children? I ask, whose children? Which kids are we talking about? You see, the First Amendment doesn't pick and choose who gets rights and who doesn't. Which brings me back to the second part of that first email that we got from Rick. He said, most parents don't want their kids exposed to LGBTQ sexual perversion. Now, I don't want to focus on his opinion or description there. I'm sure some of you agree. Some of you may find it offensive. Instead, let's look at the forest instead of the trees. Here's a list of classics. Maybe you just spotted one of your favorites. It's also a list of previously contested, or in some cases, banned books. The Catcher in the Rye, The Handmaid's Tale. Over time, large groups of people have shared the same level of concern over these topics and titles as we're seeing now from parents at school board meetings. Should we appease them? Should we ban Lord of the Rings? I'm, I'm not being dramatic or trying to gaslight you with extreme examples. Last year, I reported about this in Tennessee. A pastor held a book burning where they burned witchcraft books like Twilight and Harry Potter. They had a huge bonfire full of books. And before you think this is some fringe example, I found you know, like a needle in a haystack. This pastor, the one who organized it, has 221,000 followers on Instagram, 2.2 million on Facebook. I wonder if the Da Vinci Code was tossed into the flames. One of the best-selling books of all time. A book that ends by claiming Jesus married Mary Magdalene and they had a child. This offends a lot of Christians. Some find it to be blasphemous and dangerous even. Or in 1988, Salman Rushdie published the Satanic Verses, which was inspired in part by the life of Muhammad. Some Muslims accuse this book of mocking their faith and find it highly offensive. While we're talking about religion, the Bible and the Quran are two of the most contested books in human history. Do you get my point? If we tossed out every book that offended someone, our kids would have empty libraries. So Rick and everyone who agrees with his email that he sent in, you're entitled, all of you, to your opinions. But consider this. What happens when someone is offended by something that you find valuable or meaningful or beautiful? Will you appease them? or expect your rights to be protected. Let me know what you think. This is a big topic, lots of things to discuss. Email me at dan at wrl.com. Tell me what's on your mind and we'll go in depth. It's a problem many families know all too well. Housing prices have skyrocketed in North Carolina. Today, state lawmakers debated three bills to address that by putting more homes on the market. They would help developers speed up construction on houses, townhouses, and apartments. City and county leaders around the state, however, aren't totally sold. They don't want to sacrifice safety for speed. Affordable housing is an issue that resonates with both Democrats and Republicans. Much of what the General Assembly is considering has bipartisan support.
Meteorologist Kat Campbell joining us now in the WREL Severe Weather Center. Boy, what an end to an absolutely beautiful, nice, warm spring day, Kat. A lot of folks enjoying it with the sunset in the background here at Pinehurst Resort and Country Club. A sunset, uh, some putting, just a beautiful evening and starting to feel more like May outside. We had 80 for the high today. Tomorrow we're talking record warmth. 88 would tie the record set back in 1929, a pre-RDU record, and Fayetteville should break the record high of 87 set back in 1939. 88 in Raleigh and Fayetteville, 87 in Durham and Rocky Mount, 85 degrees tomorrow in Roxborough. Feels more like summer outside. Remember, we started our week with freezing temperatures. We've had everything from the upper tw 20s this week all the way up to 88 degrees. We hold on to the warm weather for a bit longer, though. Through the weekend, highs stay in the 80s. Saturday, we could see a few showers, but rain chances actually trending lower. We first mentioned this last night, and because rain chances are a little lower, temperatures look a little warmer. A 20% chance for rain at 10 a.m. Saturday, a 30% chance at noon and 2 o'clock, and a 20% chance by 4 o'clock. Future cast for tomorrow keeps things nice and dry. I did want to point out we have a front in Southern Virginia, so Southern Virginia could see a few showers along that front. We do not expect to see that around here in the Triangle. And then Saturday morning, we have some showers closer to the Triad at about 8 a.m. Here locally, we could see a few showers as early as 10 a.m., but notice it's just not a lot of activity showing up, and it certainly would not add up to much. So no need to cancel your plans that are outdoors on Saturday. May run into a quick shower, but it should blow through pretty fast. In terms of how much rain we could see, we are talking about less than a tenth of an inch of rain if you see any rain at all. And, you know, it is drying out a little bit in some spots. So a lot of areas, not just with the pollen, but with the drought monitor that was just released today, could use some rain. The southern part of our viewing area, including Fayetteville, Rocky Mount, and areas to the north under abnormally dry conditions. Tomorrow, your dog walking forecast looks quite nice. Temperatures warming up into the 80s by lunchtime. 80s last into the afternoon, but you know, 88, it's pretty hot outside. Try to find some shade with temperatures like that. Luckily, it's not terribly humid tomorrow. It's not quite going to feel like July just yet. Saturday, Sunday, highs stay in the lower 80s, a little bit more comfortable, and we could see some rain Sunday night into Monday. Looks like it's mainly in the southern part of our viewing area. A little cooler next week with highs in the mid-60s, but that's much closer to normal this time of year. <laughs> normal, what's that like? Right. We, we don't know what that is. Thank you, Kat. We continue to follow this breaking news in Durham. We'll go live now from the scene as we go to break here. An active scene still after a teenager was seriously hurt in a shooting on East Main Street. We should also mention the 911 system is down. Call the number here on your screen if you have an emergency or you can text 911 with a message. That part is working. We'll be right back. Some brand new information on that Amber Alert we told you about earlier at the top of this newscast right here. It is now believed, according to our affiliate WXII there in Greensboro, that the little boy's father is the person, the suspect in this case, they're looking for. Same last names. Dion Monk is the suspect in this case. Kaysen is the nine-month-old little boy. Also new right now at 7 o'clock, Dion is also the suspected shooter in an aggravated assault situation, a shooting that happened earlier this afternoon. So that is brand new right now at 7:23. A shooting happened earlier today, and then it appears that suspect took this little boy, his son, and that is who they're searching for right now. Back to you. All right, Mark, thank you. 
Today, the president of Notre Dame spoke with the Today Show, expressing concern about the direction of college athletics and, in particular, name, image, and likeness payments for players. The NCAA changed its rules on this in 2021 and allowed athletes to profit off their NIL, signing endorsement deals and brands or making posts on social media. WRL Sports investigative reporter Brian Murphy with more on the impacts. North Carolina basketball star Armando Bacot is returning to Chapel Hill for a fifth season, thanks in part to his ability to make money from his name, image, and likeness while still playing for the Tar Heels. While money is not supposed to be used to induce players to come to or stay at a school, college officials are worried that NIL has become much more than they envisioned. Basically, pay for play. Once you go down a path to say we're paying for them for their play, you go more and more to this professional model and you lose sight of this educational purpose that these programs were set up for in the first place. That's Father John Jenkins, president of Notre Dame. He and athletic director Jack Swarbrick penned a piece in the New York Times calling for reforms, stating that, quote, the new NIL rules have proven to be easy to abuse. New NCAA President Charlie Baker and others are looking to Congress for help. Concerned that courts will someday soon declare at least some college players as employees, the Notre Dame pair called for Congress to preempt that and to resolve conflicting state regulations around NIL. North Carolina schools are governed by an executive order from Governor Roy Cooper. The problem is, is that there are really no guardrails. So the issue is going to be, can the NCAA come up with guardrails and have a better way to enforce them than they do recruiting violations now. Some players are earning thousands, others millions. A walk-on on Duke's men's basketball team recently signed with degree deodorant for $25,000. Baycott has parlayed his success on the court to riches off it with a host of endorsement deals and a cameo in the popular Outer Banks Netflix series. I am fully supportive of the right of our student athletes to use their name, image, and likeness as they wish because every other student could do it. Put education at the center. Put our students at the center. Don't make us into some second-class professional league. There's no future in that. Brian Murphy, WRAL. It's an interesting conversation, and a U.S. House committee will hold hearings on name, image, and likeness next week in Washington, D.C. Also this week and weekend in Raleigh is going to look beautiful as we look outside. We appreciate you being with us tonight. Thanks for joining us. Our next newscast is at 10 on Fox 50 and at 11 on WRAL. Have a great night. Keep watching WRAL News over the air channel 34 and Spectrum channel 1257. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.